great, interesting. Which kind of leads is fairly good transition to uh, the venues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you mentioned a few, a couple of venues, well, a few venues. So this Bridgewater Hall, yeah, uh, Saint Michael's, and Saint Peter's. That's right. Yeah. Can you describe where which activities are? run in each place and then I'll we'll talk a little bit more yeah about okay so so our, our our performance home is the Bridgewater Hall uh, and has been since 1996 um, we are the resident orchestra the principal user of that that building we, we um, but we don't own that building and I think that's a bit of a, a common um, misconception I mean I, I know people who refer to the Bridgewater Hall as the Halle mm. um, but I mean I, I think that's perhaps you know 25 years or whatever it is well, it's more than that you know down the line that's that's um, uh, it's perhaps a bit unfair to you know the, the wide range of activities that happen in the Bridgewater Hall when we're not there you know that that's an international one of the greatest concert halls probably in the world um, we're very privileged to be able to call that home for performance and, yeah. and as Steve said you know we, we present 70 concerts there thereabouts a year um, as well as sort of you know the, the stuff we do on tour and, and engagements elsewhere in the, the country and around the world um, but when we're not there as we've talked about the organisation has a huge amount of, of activity that we have to, to accommodate in terms of preparation largely yeah. um, uh, and and that's for more than one ensemble. So, um, so it, I mean, I'm not 100% sure of the genesis of the idea, but, but between our previous chief executive, John Summers, and our current music director, um, uh, Sir Mark Elder, we were, it, it became a very clear strategic vision that the Halley needed to have a place it could call its own mm-hmm. for that sort of work for preparation and, and um, a place where we could come and work together and really, really kind of hone the craft. For most of the Halley's life, the, the organisation had been pretty nomadic in terms of its rehearsal activities. Um, even when it was in the, the Free Trade Hall, the Free Trade Hall wasn't always available to rehearse or, or to be available, so they would rehearse in other venues around the city. And I, and I would probably suggest that any room built between you know 1850 and 2010 that was big enough for the Halle to fit in, they've probably rehearsed in there at some point. Mm. Now, a number of those rooms will have been utterly inappropriate for a symphony orchestra to go and, and rehearse in. They'll have been sports halls or, or you know, um, a, any large space, um, but you might be in a room that has no acoustic yeah. at all. Consistent acoustic you is know. the key, isn't and it? So, so, and I think that, that, was, that was kind of, that was critical to, to the... Um, to the kind of the strategic development of the organisation, that that continual improvement, that that sort of strive for excellence. So, um, so st- strategically, it was a, it was an intention and ambition. Um, financially, it's a stretch, you know. That, that finding so and and the the Halle had never owned a building in its one hundred and fifty year history uh, when we became aware that there was this church in in Ancoats which had had some money spent on it to be restored but was sitting vacant having um, been through a process where where th- there was an intended occupant and the, at the 11th hour that didn't happen so a, a shell restoration had been done of this church um, with nobody to then go in it and um, 
we became aware in sort of the end of 2009, early 2010, that, that there was a, a this space and, you know, we, we'd been having these conversations. Could we, um, you know, could we, you know, would it be appropriate for us? Could we get in there? Could we, could they, I, mean, I think the first time anybody came to see the church, it, it was in a, as I said, restoration. St. Peter's used to be an Anglican church in, in the heart of Ancoats. Sorry, was it before... All the new buildings. No, no, in no, no. So, it so, was in, the, in happening. So, so we we were essentially um, the first here. Okay. Uh, prior to kind of the there'd been there'd been one lot of development, which is the cutting room square space, which sits outside. Yeah. Um, had been had had some work on it, but because of the financial crash of two thousand and eight, yeah, majority of kind of works happening locally had, had really slowed down. Um, the confidence of, of developers was wasn't there. The money to develop wasn't there. Um, so, so actually, it was a it was a considerable concern when we came to St Peter's that we might be, you know, that the area wouldn't develop around us and that we would be this sort of cultural, you know, ghetto, if you like. That mm-hmm. that, that um, Ancoats had been an area that had been horribly neglected for for decades. Um, uh, John Summers used to use the expression that nobody cared enough about it to even knock it down for a period of time, which which now when you see it sort of listed in in you know all the coolest magazines as the coolest place to go, uh, you know is is a is a remarkable transformation around, yeah. for an organize uh, you know for an area. It's changed um, really really fast. Yeah. So 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 yeah. the Halley's so the Halley's journey and, and I could talk at length at this, so I won't because you know yeah. we've only got so long. But the Halley's, Halley's journey here was that, in essence, we found the space, we were um, committed to doing it, but financially we weren't in a position mm. to, to do it. We, we were very, very fortunate that we had some really good, strong advice, support, and, and I suppose an element of kind of critical friend um, from, from outside the organisation, um, led largely by a gentleman called Michael Oglesby, of um, the Oglesby Charitable Trust and the, the company Bruntwood, who are property developers, largely based in Manchester, but it's a national yeah. uh, uh, company. And he, he, alongside the Halley's board, um, convinced themselves that the idea of taking on a property and converting it for our own purposes would be a, a benefit to the organisation. Yeah. And in turn, that that would then act as a catalyst for change. For the rest of the organisation, rest of the area, and indeed, so it so it proved. So we we eventually, after you know some negotiation, that there's there's another podcast in the whole of this uh, sort of story. We can do it, and perhaps perhaps <laughs> yeah. we could do it. Actually, well, we're coming up to the tenth anniversary of the organisation. Let's do it. Moving here, so perhaps we should do, we should do it. You know, a, if, you, a specific... if you'd like that one, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, so in in two thousand and twelve, we uh, got the keys. And we did um, sort of about eight months of um, internal fit and, and um, adaptation to make the church space um, fit for purpose. Attached to the church space was a, a development plot. Um, but at that time, we only had enough money to, to do the church um, or the former church. As I should say, the, the, the space is deconsecrated. It's not a church anymore. It's still, but, which is why it's known as Halle St. Peter's, not St. Peter's. Um, important that we you know we we repositioned it as a a new entity um and yeah so we we did a a a internal fit which 
provided a much better acoustic, gave it an, a genuine acoustic treatment, um, stopped sound leaking out, stopped sound leaking in, gave mm-hmm. a warmth to the sound. So, so we replaced the concrete floor with the oak floor. We, we put tertiary glazing in. There's acoustic panelling around lots of the, lots of the uh, space, which, which gives a consistency of sound. I, I, I don't imagine anybody in the organisation would say it's a perfect acoustic for anything that we do. Mm but it works for everything that we do. And I think that that was the key. Yeah, that's so a good it, balance. It, you yeah. know, so so I think if you're doing a chamber concert in there, you might feel a bit exposed at times. I think, you know, the acoustic can be a bit a bit um, unforgiving yeah. in that way. Um, I think if you're a children's choir, when you're really little and tiny, it might be a bit too big of a room for you. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, there's, so, there's a difference in, in volume you need to yeah, keep. Yeah, so, so really but, but for the adult into. choir, yeah. actually, you know, probably, probably, you know, it, it, it gives them lots of what they need. Yeah. But they would probably want it slightly more reverberant, you know, so, so they don't always have to work quite as hard to fill the space. So, so there are, there are, but, you know, in terms of that, that kind of multi-use, which we always knew it would need, We've we've been able to achieve that. So so, so we. Sorry, you didn't mo- change the volume at all. You just um, improved probably the glazing. If you say yeah, so we put so, yeah, so we put double glazing. So there, the, because it's a listed building, we were yeah. limited in what we were able to do. Yeah, of course. So there's an external original or a recreation of the original frame, and then internally there's a double glazing unit, which okay. then kind of prevents that sound leakage in and out. Yeah. In fact, the first one of the first sort of complaints we had from yeah. neighbours was that they couldn't hear our oh. rehearsals because they, they thought it would be lovely to sit in their flat with the windows open and hear the alley. Uh, I mean, they, the person that told me this was said on a Sunday morning, and I thought, well, they have no idea how orchestras work if they think they're in on a Sunday morning rehearsing. But, um, yeah. Well, yeah, but, but, usually but, yeah. what the, the criteria yeah. for noise are to not hear the yeah, music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so, yeah, it, was, so it, was, it was, yeah, that, that was a, a nice, you know, neighbourly complaint, if yeah. you like. Um, uh, so... So we operated in the space for five years. So we, we started in February um, 2013 and, and worked through to kind of the summer of 2018 um, and, and slowly added in activities. So it started with the orchestra, then the choirs came and then the ensembles came. And this gave us a single home where all of our organisation could come together and, and feel like a familiar place. To yeah. And I think that's really important for... Nice for the development of an organisation, that consistency of experience and, and certainty of experience. The Halle used to spend a huge amount of time trying to find places to re- rehearse and, and, and um, practice, you know, our, our ensembles to practice. Um, you know, taking that out as an as a activity yeah. has been very freeing for the organisation. You know, if it's not happening at the Bridgewater Hall, it's happening in Ancoats. That's essentially the, uh, the, the way that it works. And... Um, so we had this wonderful former church space, very large space, which fits the, the, the orchestra and all of our ensembles in. But what it didn't have were any ancillary facilities that, yeah. you know, that the kind of, there was nowhere to break out to. There was nowhere, if you were a member of the orchestra who was in the first piece in the, the you know, in the, the overture and in the, the symphony, but you weren't in the concerto and you were rehearsing all of that in a day, where did you go while the concerto was being rehearsed? Because you're not, you know, you're not on the platform for that, for that moment yeah. so um so we added uh, so there was then an ambition for a for you know can we add on the development plot can we add a space that um that then provides us all of those um additional 
facilities, which really make, you know, and I'll use the pun, you know, make the venue sing, if you like. We didn't have everything that we needed. Yeah. And we had this development plot alongside it. And we were very fortunate that some of the people that had backed the first first stage of our development, yeah. if you like, um, had provided us with some feasibility funds that okay. we could then go and look at, well, what could you do on that spot? Yeah. Um, uh, uh, around the same time, the the Homes and Communities Agency, who had been the government body that had originally owned the church, came to us and said, we've got another church, former church, just around the corner. We know you've got plans to ambition on site, but would this be of any use to you if we were able to, to facilitate your um, moving in there? And that's the St. Michael's space, which is on George Lee Street, which is a very short distance away from here. And, and again, it's a, a, a large room, um, but it, it has been. It's been a brilliant kind of addition to the uh, sort of Halle St. Peter's 1.5, if you like, rather than... Um, so it wasn't the full ambition, and, it, and of course there's distance between the buildings and all yeah. of those things, but it, it provided us with a slightly smaller space and some um, administrative space and, and a bit of kind of um, uh, storage, storage yeah. um, which we didn't have previously here. Um, so that then kind of added to the to the activities that we were able to do here, but and it and it really informed the process of what we would need yeah. in a single entity, single um, uh, you know facility. So um, as I say, we we were fortunate that we got some support from um, one of the, the Monument Trust. Um, in fact, the room we're sitting now is the Monument Room, named after them for their their benevolent support. Um, and, and generous, very generous support. Um, and they, uh, that money enabled us to really accelerate our plans, literally our plans for, for the site, in that we were able to stage a REBA uh, okay. competition. to, uh, And we put it out internationally through REBA uh, to say, what could you fit here? And we developed a brief that, that worked on, okay, well, nice to have or it's essentials and wouldn't it be good if we could do this and um you know so there was a broad stakeholder engagement process for for to begin with and then you you sort of pat that down into a, a smaller kind of um project team who then really work up a brief um and and we put a brief together we worked with reba on that what what you're looking to do and then we put that out to the market and we had international applications from 40 or 50 practices which we then yeah yeah from from italy you know right i mean lots of british ones i think you know any involvement with a kind of a music um venue is i think is yeah. quite sought after for the architectural world yes. i think you yeah, know they yeah. do a lot of residential and even focusticians yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 um and they bring together really interesting teams you know you kind of got multidisciplinary teams that, yeah. that kind of come and work and, and of course acousticians are, are kind of a, a critical part of that um, uh, and yeah, so it went out to sort of an international field. We 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 had a really high quality panel that helped us sort of judge the the applications. We came down to a, a shortlist of five who developed there. We were able to offer a bursary for their um, for their work. Do you they remember who they plans. were? Do you remember um, who they were? I couldn't remember all of the, them. The architects. Yeah, yeah. So 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 there was uh, well, the winners were Stevenson Studio. Yeah. yeah. Um, Fiona Clegg Bradley were one. Jamie Fobart, who'd done Damien Hurst's gallery. I mean, a really mm -hmm. interesting group of um, 
but later on I can probably I can't remember them all off the top of my head. No, we, no we, worries. We, you know, there are some really interesting um, applications. Um, and um, and how do you do select the winner? What was your what were your criteria? Well, well, for selection. I, I'm, I'm, fortunately, I wasn't involved in that decision because okay. I believe it was it was a really difficult. Um, so, yeah. so the people that were kind of critical to those decisions were there was a panel um, which included um, a couple of uh, architectural advisors, including Jer- Sir Jeremy Dixon, who'd done the extension at the Royal Al- uh, Royal Opera House. Yeah. Um, uh, but also included members of the Halle, mm-hmm. so our then finance director Val Hawking who was kind of a, a real critical and pivotal kind of driver in the, the whole process of kind of, you know, how the money would work and how we would yeah. we would get there. Um, uh, John Summers, who's our then chief exec, David McKeith, who's our current chairman. Um, and, and, you know, the, there was a kind of a, a, what do we want? There's a degree of aesthetic that's important. There's a degree of functionality that's important. Yeah. There's a degree of... And and I mean I wasn't involved in that that process, but it was it was hard fought and hard um, won, but won by Stevenson Studio, and, and I think critical to their um, application was the fact that they had worked and we talked earlier about the the uh, you know interconnectivity of Manchester's yes. musical life. That Stevenson Studio had delivered um, the extension at Cheatham's yes yeah. uh, Cheatham's uh, uh, School of Music and the Stoller Hall. Mm-hmm. There. So they brought all of that learning in terms of what what we as a client would be looking for and we would be interested mm. in. They brought all of that learning to to the the project, and yeah, I think it was. I think it was. Uh, you know, that was the and the fact that they were a Manchester based practice gave them a kind of competitive advantage. I felt in terms of their understanding of the aesthetic yeah. and what the aesthetic of the city is like and how particularly when you're putting something next to a, a much-loved grade two listed building, yeah. how you do that without it looking like pastiche or, you know, it, it, you know that it's appropriate, it's fitting. And, and they really work hard at that. And, and you know, you highlight the, the greatest areas of, of, you know, the existing building and you add to it without trying to say, you know, have your building shout, look at me and forget about that there. You know, they, they've managed to find that balance. Yeah, you've got to understand the... Manchester identity. Yeah, yeah. To well, I, I think in critical to that was the the brick that they <coughs> selected. So, so there's a this beautiful sort of, um, you know, people often talk about red brick as as being the aesthetic of Manchester, but actually yeah. it isn't red. It's much more of an orange, and they found that tone that matched, but didn't. It wasn't wasn't you know as I say wasn't trying to ape the the. Um, you know, they changed the shape of the brick. They changed it so that it, it gave the new building an identity of its own, but that was sympathetic to the the original building. And I think they, they, that's their great achievement yeah. in that. But then, in addition to that, they gave us some spectacular spaces. So the, the Victoria Wood Hall, particularly, is a, is a for me is a triumph, and a room that acousticians would hate from a brief because we, you know, we said it had to have natural light in it. And of course, yep. yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for the listener, the, the, the yep. face that came from it's the acoustician on, on having windows in a an acoustic space is so you yeah. managed it. Yeah, you? yeah, okay. yeah, and and, and with you know, and, and and it makes that that room, which is used particularly by our, our children's choir, okay. it makes it a really lovely space for them to be in. You know, so much of the the joy of working for our musicians in St Peter's and and uh, the associated spaces is that they get to work in rooms with natural light. Yeah. 
for, yeah, because for most of their most of their professional careers they're in seal boxes studios yeah, yeah. yeah from an acoustic point of view obviously you've got the noise from outside coming yeah. in and you've got very very low levels to to meet yeah. but it's great when you can have a place in or either you design it well uh, and maybe there's a budget that comes with it, yeah. or you have it in the middle of nowhere, very landscapey place, yeah. and you just make very, well, make everything visible or just natural light coming yeah. in is great. Yeah. yeah. So, so we were so so obviously we were not in a position where we were in the middle of nowhere. We were right in the middle yeah. of a, a, you know a building revolution. Really, you know, it's yeah. kind of. Um, you know, we were surrounded at one point by cranes and, and, and construction sites and sheet piling and, you know, all of the yeah, things yeah. that kind of, a, 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 you know... Make the building shape. Make the, the building yeah, shape. But, but we... The Victoria Wood Hall is a box-in-box box space. Mm -hmm. So um, so that means that it's acoustically separate to the rest of the building and okay. therefore we, we kind of... It's it's quadruple glazed, so so nothing gets in through that those those windows, um, and and it's a very quiet space, in the middle of a very busy area, and it it, it, it there's something really remarkable about that. How quiet it is when I often take people around the building, and when they walk into the room, they suddenly realise that sense of calm and quiet, yeah, yeah. which is which is you know a great a great boon for us in terms of. Yeah. So, so yeah, we, we, so I mean, I've given you a very quick and, and not particularly, I don't think, coherent um, timeline through the, uh, the 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 process. But yeah, we we went from um, from from in twenty ten, um, you know, the ambition, but a financial climate that wasn't easy for us to to fundraise or, or mm. um, through to opening in twenty thirteen, closing in twenty eighteen, and then it took. Just over eighteen months for the for the build to take place. We received the keys in November twenty nineteen. Mm -hmm. We opened to fanfare and fireworks and um with a, a considerable ambition of, of you know what we would want to achieve in the space, lots of plans. Yeah. And then of course, sixteen weeks after that, the world changed. And um, so we opened and then we closed. Um, and that, frustrating. Yeah, very, very yeah. frustrating. But actually, and and sort of back to the point about the Halley's relationship with buildings, is that not being the owner of the Bridgewater Hall was then incredibly limiting for the organisation. Yeah, we were reliant upon the the, the operating um, company to for access even to our offices. So, so our head office is based at, at the Bridgewater. Our administrative base okay. is based at the Bridgewater Hall. So you know we were all sent to our homes. Um, to work for you know uh, but then when returning to the office we could only return to the office once the Bridgewater Hall was able to reopen and of course because they are not whilst we perhaps have a hundred days of operation in the building there are only they weren't allowed to open in any meaningful way um, for any other activity so so understandably they they mothballed the building and, and our access to the offices there was very limited so I think there was a period of time where we could get in one morning a week and if anybody needed anything, they, they were able to kind of meet socially distanced okay. and, and get around the building or, you know, go and collect some music or go and, you know. So, so yeah, that, that was a, a, a very difficult time. And, but having some pieces and having it open meant that actually we had a place that we could be in control of. We could take control of all of that kind of COVID security and and it gave us an opportunity to kind of work through that. So so, 
if if we'd been halfway through the build, I genuinely don't know what the organisation would have done. I'm well, so grateful. A- absolutely that. Yeah. I mean, one of the great things during that time was, you know, we did have time to breathe and actually make create some unique content. So, I mean, our digital team sort of bloomed um, through that time. And if we didn't, we, if we hadn't got St Peter's, we couldn't have done half of what we did uh, in terms of some of that smaller scale uh, uh, pieces and things that went out to schools.